Uh, greetings this morning again um, to you all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, <clears throat> the one who, who is, who was, the propitiation for our sins, um, the one who continues to guide us, lead us, direct our path, communicates with us, um, that we are a child of his. And so, again, a lot of food for thought that came forth this morning in regards to um, the devotions and Sunday school class. And so maybe um, this message can help us um, put a little, <clears throat> it's on It's on loving the household of faith or loving the household of, of relates a lot to fellowship, I guess, <clears throat> and the scripture verses that reduce the fellowship. And we talked about fellowship a little bit here. You know, the, the two different, there is a fellowship that we have, <clears throat> you know, like, if you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you find another person that does the same thing, there is immediately there's a fellowship there that is different than come over for supper or invite my neighbors. So there's, there's a difference there in that fellowship. And interesting tidbit that just, not tidbit or whatever, but interesting phrase or thought that came forth um, from going to the funeral of James Miller uh, just kind of fits in with this. I liked what he, uh, what he shared about that. Um, his son shared it, and then I think one of the other ministers maybe also had shared the same thought. Um, James was a man of faith. Um, you always knew where he stood, um, always the same, and was just always encouraging. They said he always had, he was, um, if he wasn't, Sharing, like uh, during his daily work, he'd be humming a tune. He'd be humming a song. Always liked a song. But he would say, like his son Ron had just had said this, the unusual way that he passed away, okay, is very strange. It's just like, how could this be? He's tripped. He fell, broke his neck way up high at a second vertebrae or whatever, So, which immediately even cut off his breathing okay and that's how he passed away a few years back he was extremely sick and had done major surgery and they thought he wasn't going to survive but he was doing real well but tripped fell broke his neck three days later took machines off he's gone you know but he said dad would say god knew this a long time ago that this is the way it was going to be he knows, that he, he knows that back then, or way before. He knows it today, and he knows what's going to be tomorrow, and it's okay. He would encourage people with that. You know, you, you, you run into a whatever a, a situation, you say, well, God knew that that's the way it was going to be. This was going to come to pass. He already knew it, and he's going to take care of it, and it's going to be okay. But he would encourage people that the thought about the fellowship thing, tried to bring this two pieces of fellowship together a little bit. If there was a meeting or, you know, getting together with people or whatever it was, you know, and he said there'd be a little nervousness there and you're not sure what it would, how it was all going to play out and what was going to take place. And he would ask the question, um, is there going to be food there? Are you going to have some food? And if they said yes, he said, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it then. You know, like food was a medium, you know what I'm saying? And we see that also. Christ also did it a lot, right? Most of the time, a lot of the times, 
Jesus breaking the barriers of fellowship and communication was simply eating a meal with somebody. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to abide in your house today. He was considered the worst of the sinners. And Jesus ate with him. And at the end of that eating, or the end of that, end of that conversation, of that example, what did Zacchaeus say? I'll give back four times or whatever that I've ever taken or anything to do. And he followed Christ. So, so, you know, food and fellowship is not all bad, and yet, yet it cannot be as deep, you could say, in a sense, as what if we have fellowship with God and what that fellowship does for one another. And so, you know, the love of the brethren is an, an indication of that. <clears throat> um, John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. So the love of God that flows in our hearts, that comes to us. And that you also love one another. And then he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. <clears throat> um, this love is talking about, you know, these verses I think are referring to the fellowship of like-minded believers or in the congregation like we have. And again, you, you know, you, we know that we can make the connections of fellowship by even just communicating with, with other people um, of like-minded faith, knowing that they have the love of God in their hearts and that they love the Lord. So there's, there's a deep fellowship there. I want to back up a little bit. I did like, I had forgot about <clears throat> um, a little bit. I just, I just want to make this comment about what William had shared on Ephesians, about the, the, the book of Ephesians. I think the book of Ephesians is, is um, a beautiful book. Like it's straightforward, but it was often referred to as that. As chapters one and two is sit and listen what God has to tell you, what Paul is telling us. Absorb it, take it to heart. Three and four, stand up and walk, move. And then on five and six is running the race, fighting the good fight of faith. You know, uh, you know he says in verse 10 in chapter six, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, take the courage, take that. Put on the whole armor of God, he's saying there. Um, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And again, those are, those are also things that happen and take place in fellowship of like-minded believers. You know, we're, we don't fight alone, so to speak. We have, we have an army that helps us fight that good fight of faith, that can wrestle for us um, through prayer and through lifting us up. And you know, therefore, we can, we can destroy the the enemy will be, can be destroyed. You know, we know the rest of the verses if we go to Ephesians 6. You know, put on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace, and you know, take the shield of faith. And you know, We see that, that shield of faith on our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The helmet of salvation. We know that they've experienced salvation. Um, and then we have the Word of God. We have the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God. So it's just like, yeah, Ephesians is... is uh, <clears throat> is a, always a, a blessing to read or to go through. Um, <clears throat> so in, the, um, you know, in today's sharing with this about not only um, the relationships that God has established um, within our lives, and you was thinking about, Seth shared a little bit like how the marriage is a, is a relationship, is a fellowship that's together. You know, and that, can, that can also continues, you know, um, <clears throat> even if, even if you're not together all the time, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's there, it exists, and you know it. Um, 
and it, it, it exists because, uh, because of God. It includes you know, our spouses, our families, our extended families. And even that, even that love like Christ had, it, it goes also to the unbeliever then. It goes also to the people that don't know God. There is a, you know, that sitting at that meal and who we ate with. Um, the relationship we ha- that we have with God extends to that extent. Um, you know, Galatians uh, 6 verse 10 tells us, uh, tells us to do this um, for us as brothers and sisters in the household of faith. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, it says. You know, um, we find this, a, a, this is, a, is a command, you could say, of Scripture to love one another like Christ has loved us. You know, um, it will help us establish. It's a characteristic that will help us establish the, the, the fullness of God's kingdom here within us. So 1 John 4, 7 and 11 verses. Um, these are just verses that are commandments that are given to us of loving one another, having fellowship with one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for, for love is of God, and everyone who is born, who loves is born of God, and he knows God. I think you know that verse plays into well what we shared today, or maybe that's the verse even that Joseph shared. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 Peter 1, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love for the, of the brethren... Love one another fervently with a pure heart. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. <clears throat> um, so we see that, you know, in a congregation, wherever it may be, um, together, even in a, in a, um, in a brotherhood that's within the society, if it may be a biker union or um, I don't know what all the other ones, it may be um, the Masons or there may be a bunch of them out there, you know, that commitment and that thing, one that they, they put into each other, you know, is, is a major ingredient of making it strong. And so therefore it's the same with the love of God in us um, that that we see that God is commanding us to love one another is the major ingredient for building up the body of Christ, for strengthening us and helping us walk. Um, you know, it's, it's our love for one another that shows that we are actually a disciple of Christ too. Um, let's look at, you know, some other scripture verses here. <clears throat> I guess more than that. You know, if we love, if we truly love as he tells us, then he also... Um, then we are, it's an example or it's an evidence of that we love Christ as well. Matthew 25, verse 45 says this, then, we, then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not do it unto one of the least of these, you did not do it unto me. So again, in, re- in reference of the family of God. <clears throat> so there's, there's some, um, you know, just, I guess this is, practical aspects of walking in brotherly love uh, with the household of faith today. Some things that will help us build up, um, build each other up, I guess. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, says this, you know, can two walk together unless they are agreed? So one of the first ingredients, you know, in, in this is that there's, 
there's there's a common bond. There's a common um, there's a common thing that we have, and that is the first and foremost should be that we each have fellowship and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that and the kingdom of God, and that is if we don't have that then there's no way we can even think about walk, starting to walk together. You know, um, can two walk together unless they are agreed? You know, do you agree that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that he's your Savior and that, you know, just, just those basics of faith that, you're, that you've accepted salvation as a free gift, um, you know, the, the, the baptism that follows that, and, and those, therefore things like that. <clears throat> um, can two walk together unless they're agreed? So Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2 Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, he says, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That's talking about a fellowship of believers. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 4. Paul is saying this, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord, he calls himself a prisoner of the Lord, he said, I beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And he tells us to do it with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So we all have those same um, principles, you could say, applying to our, uh, to our life. Um, and that that was also yeah that was taken from Ephesians 4 Um, he beseeches us to walk worthy of the vocation in which we're called and and, um, there's more on that I guess to come here yet walking in unity you know with one another involves the idea that we don't just associate with people who's our favorites you know or you say we need to have a genuine desire to include those in our lives who we are maybe even not naturally drawn to, um, to be part, to uh, be open. Romans 12, verse 16 says, To be of the same mind towards one another, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with humble. Do not be wise in your own opinions. Um, we can so easily separate ourselves um, from from those that we think are not like us, just with our own thoughts. You know, be us, let us be humble. Let us understand there's very little difference between me and the prostitute on the streets, the drunk at the bar, the, the lowest of low, whatever you may think of. But we may not want to even, you know, get close to that. We may not even want to be, you know, in any way, shape, or form. And yet, we, he tells us to, to set our, you know, do not set our mind on high things that we are more than what we are, but associate with the humble. Be not wise in your own opinions. <clears throat> there is a desire for this. There needs to be a desire in our hearts to come together, to be one, to have fellowship and to worship. And Malachi 3.16 tells us, And those who feared the Lord, they spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, and who meditate on his name. You know, we have God's word of all the fellowship that the pustles and stuff had together, and even 
throughout the entire the entire Bible um, is written like Hebrews was written, you know, for a lot of admonition to us. Um, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So there was a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. The fullness of, of God's love. Sorry about that. <clears throat> um, you know, is like that within us, the desire that's there um, is, is like a bridge. It carries across and... Uh, Extends the fellowship. You know, we, we become friends, you could say. And it, it's a bridge of friendship. It's a bridge that allows, us, allows our lives to, uh, to interact with each other. Um, and looking at an example of that in Jonathan and, uh, Jonathan and David, as an Old Testament example, and Samuel there, um, you know, it, and, it, and it was... John, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, And it was so, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan, it says, was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul, to that extent. Now, if we think about that just for a, a bit, you know, Jonathan was next in line to be the king. He was the direct descendant. He was the next in line to be the king. And yet, he recognized God's hand or God's calling on David's life that he had called David, um, you know, the shepherd boy, whatever. He had called David to be the king. And so what did he do? You know? So he, um, he could have had David killed, you know, even like Saul tried to kill him for, for a long period of time because it would have, he was going to take his place. His, Jonathan's rightful place was to be the next king. And because of their friendship, because of their knit, their souls knit together, it says, he loved him as his own. Um, the only way that, he would, that, you know, that that could have took place is that the friendship that, that was formed there, the fellowship that was formed there, that bridge, that connection... You know, instead of becoming enemies in competition to the throne, Jonathan supported him and give everything he could and actually saved his life, right? He whispered, he shot an arrow or whatever when, when the enemies were coming at to, to do away with him, to preserve him. He did all that he could to get David to that place, you know. <clears throat> so in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ and believers, there's also we have we have different gifts. We have different ministries. We have different um, talents and abilities, you know. And so, do we do we use our fellowship as a bridge to promote that, or do we look at it as a competition? Oh, he's got he does this better than me, and I don't like it, you know, one or the other. So just just thinking about those things a little bit. There's gifts. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of examples you could say. So it takes it takes that bridge of fellowship in Christ to be able to allow us and to help us promote the best within us, with each and every one of us. Um, <clears throat> to fully appreciate and to fully help the body of Christ grow and the kingdom of God to grow, we need to promote that, release it, whatever it may be, you could say, 
because the Philippians 2 verse 3 tells us this, to let nothing be done through selfish ambitions, I'm reading a different context than the King James, or conceit, but he says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. You know, <clears throat> a loving each other and fellowship and, you know, in, in, uh, in commitments or uh, together also is, um, is a bridge of allowing us to resolve differences between us, resolve conflicts, laying things down. Um, it in, you know, the Bible tells us to, that we should endeavor to walk in the unity and love with one another. And when we consider that, you know, there may be a conflict, there may be an offense that comes in place. Um, that relationship will, um, adversity within relationships will happen, it'll come. But that connection of like Jonathan and Saul had will allow us to work out those differences, will allow us to... Um, Proverbs 17, 17 tells us a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You know, like iron sharpens iron, you could say. Um, you know, that, that there can, you know, we are all imperfect as Christians. We're all, we're all um, incapable of doing the right thing at the right time all the time. And that was also, that was also said about James. Um, at, his, at being 80 years and 50 years of, of a bishop and leading a church, um, James would easily, they said, humbly admit he didn't always do everything right. There was a lot of, um, out of that congregation, out of that church, I don't know how many churches in Allen County I could name that all stem from that congregation, from that church. But there are some things that James just would not, you just couldn't persuade him on. But he would also admit that he maybe did not handle, did not do everything right every time. And that's how we are too. We may do our best, but we may not, it may not seem to be right to someone else. <clears throat> but we're, we're imperfect. We're incapable of doing the right thing all the time. We may offend or hurt one another from time to time. Um, to love someone with brotherly love is to speak the truth in love and have a forgiving heart for that person. So Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. This love will show us a, you know, that a genuine care and a concern for, for each other. <clears throat> you know, whenever we're part of a congregation, um, I know this congregation is not, you could say, large by numbers at all, but, um, you know, within, a, within any congregation, there will there also be examples of, of people that are doing well and people that are doing not so well. We have our days, maybe we have our struggles. There's days that we may be uh, shouting hallelujah all day long. But, uh, you know, but if we genuinely care for each other, then we care our concerns and our burdens are, you know, um, we help wherever we can. <clears throat> so 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26 will tell us that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. If one member is honored, all the members will rejoice with it. 
That's the beauty of, you know, that's the beauty of a marriage. That's the beauty of a, 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 uh, a household. That's the beauty of a family of God. That's the beauty of a church. Um, that's the beauty of, of fellowship. Galatians 6, 2 says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill ye the law of Christ. Um, <clears throat> so God has designed that. That's part of God's design in fellowship and in relationships, that we're sensitive you know, to the needs around us. Um, when it's within our power to do good, we should. Um, when, you know, no matter who it is. <clears throat> Love will also... Um, so to put that in action, then we must minister to the physical needs of others. 1 John 3, 16 and 18, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So God desires his body to be cared for, um, no matter what the need may be. It was through the love um, and, and providing the needs for one another. 2 Corinthians 8, 14, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. I know Wayne Helmuth often said, um, like one of several of his messages, he would bring out the point that, you know, Within the family of God, within the household, within the church, um, there should not be like multi-millionaires and then someone that can't pay his bills. He said that shouldn't exist in the family of God. Um, he, often, he often stressed that. <clears throat> uh, love is hospitable. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another and do it without grumbling, it says. Romans 12, 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Um, it's through hospitality that we're able to get to know other members of our body. Um, we also come in contact with their gifts, you know. And it involves serving one another. <clears throat> Jesus gave us that example in John 13, 14. We just had communion and actually, you know, put this into practice. Um, in, that, in that physical sense, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know, and that message can be, um, that can take in a lot of detail, more than just our physical aspect of we washed each other's feet. Mark 10, 43 says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you, he shall be your servant. Um, you know, servanthood is, a, is an action of love um, that is, Put into action. It's love put into action. You know, Jesus asked Peter, how many times is he asking that? Do you love me? And then the answer was, um, Jesus' re response to Peter each time was to um, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, put it into action. He said unto him in John 21, verse 16, he said unto him again a second time, Simon, thou son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said unto him, Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. <clears throat> so we can, you know, help us to just sum these things up a little bit in, re in relation to um, 
the, the devotion in Sunday school that we had, um, the aspects of, of community, the aspects of a relationship, of fellowship, um, when these come together and there is a, a uh, this is being practiced, you know, um, he tells us that we're like a city that's set on a hill whose light shines brightly around us. Um, and that's the purpose of the members of a household of faith. So first we have to, you know, just summing it briefly here together and then moving on. Here. We have to have a desire to walk in unity. We have to have a desire to be of one accord. We have to, you know, want, we have to want that. If we don't want that at all, there's no point in um, even coming together, you know. There's a, there's a schism, there's a division. Um, have a, we also have to have a, a sincere desire, another desire, uh, for friendship, to be friends, and to be um, friends deeper than just on the surface level in the body. We also have to make a commitment that we try to solve anything, resolve conflicts or differences that come, accepting one another's gifts and talents and abilities. We also have to have a, a care, a genuine care and concern for others. Um, also be able to, it's an avenue of ministering to the physical needs of others. It's a, an avenue of, of being hospitable to one another. And it's an avenue of serving one another in humility. That we are willing to, as Jonathan was willing, to step in front of Saul and to save David's life. He was willing to lay his life down. And, sorry, that is also why... Um, let's do that. But let's let's move on to the next the next part just a little bit. Got, that clock's not working. Is that right? That clock stopped. Are we five after eleven? Okay, I said five after ten back there. I keep getting confused. <clears throat> um, I think I can share this, I guess, a little bit, yeah. <clears throat> so so the next ask, the next part of of fellowship and loving and is the fulfillment of the great commandment is also to what I shared just a little bit, is loving an unbeliever, uh, loving those that don't know God, loving those that don't you know that don't love you. Um, and we have that we have the, the key verse to all that is John three sixteen, which we know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, <clears throat> God's love knows no boundaries in that verse. Um, he doesn't wait for us to acknowledge and believe in him before he even loved you. He loved you before you ever acknowledged him. He loved us while we're still in our sins. He loved us. Our love for sinners and unbelievers should be the same then. Since we are called to love like Christ loved us, we also need to have that love within us. Um, Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. He died for us. He died for you. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when ye were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Um, that was me. That was you, you know. Um, <clears throat> We, we use that example of, of, uh, of that Jesus had given us over and over again 
how he expressed his love to those that, who were lost. Um, he was comfortable within their presence. He was not, you know, he was not intimidated by it. He was not judgmental of, of them. Uh, in Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near unto him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they stood back there saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You know, how many illustrations do we have in, in scriptures where Jesus was, he, was, he didn't fear that. He was, he was comfortable in that presence, you could say. I'm not saying we should get comfortable with the sin, but we should not be uncomfortable with the person. With, you, know, um, you know, he had nothing but love. He had nothing but compassion for them. <clears throat> Mercy is what he offered them. Grace is what he offered them. Matthew 10, 9, 10, 11. And so it was, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him, and his disciples, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? Again, this is an indication that food was involved. He sat at meat. He sat at a table with him. You know, it was a, it, maybe that's, you know, as a, as a common uh, breaking down the barriers, you could say. <clears throat> he, was, he was comfortable in their presence that he would even sit and eat with them. He desired to hear what they had to say. Matthew 9, 12 and 13. But when Jesus heard it, that, he said to them, those who are well, this was his answer to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. What does this verse mean? Jesus said this, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. <clears throat> Several things that that, that scripture can, can show us, you know, um, he recognized his calling and his reason for coming to earth was to call sinners to repentance. And the way he did that was he expressed compassion and mercy to those. He accepted them and received them in without condemning. You know, like he said to the woman, go and sin no more. He had, he had a genuine interest that was real and passion for them. He poured his heart and soul into them. John 14 or John 4, verse 16 and 18, the Samaritan woman. Jesus said unto her, he said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Just simply speaking the truth, you know, to that woman, um, opened her heart to to his love in a very powerful way, you know. Um, the story of Zacchaeus, come to this, you know. Luke 19, verse 4 and 7. It says, So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came, unto that, came to that place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. And if you read the history of Zacchaeus, um, you know, he was, he was probably the scum of the earth to most people, Jew and, and Gentile alike. They 
had no use for him because it's like he was a, bet a, a betrayer to him because he collected money and taxes that he could charge whatever he wanted to and then as long as he paid his superiors the portion that they wanted, he could keep the rest for himself. That's the, that was kind of the, the history of the tax collectors back then. <coughs> Here's a little, um, <clears throat> a little story that can remind you of that, I guess, a little bit. So um, there was a man who fell in a pit one time, and he couldn't get himself out. Just example, people. So a Christian scientist comes along and he says, a Christian scientist comes along and said, you only think that you're in a pit. That's just the product of your imagination. Why you can't get out. The Pharisee comes along and says, hmm, only bad people will fall in pits. The fundamentalist comes along and he says, you deserve that pit. You deserve to be there. The IRS man comes along and says, and asks him if he was paying taxes on that pit. The charismatic says, just confess it, that you're in a pit. The optimist says, things could be worse. The pessimist would walk by and tell him, things are going to get worse. <clears throat> and Jesus comes by, takes him by the hand, and lifts him out of the pit. You know, that song, you know, I, that the mire was, I was in the miry clay. Um, that song came to my mind as I read this, you know. Um, that's where I was once, you know. And this is what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. Today, I'm going to come and abide in your house. Zacchaeus was as, as, as much hated by the people around him as anyone. He was considered a traitor. He was considered to be an apostate. Um, because he was willing to be used as a tool for the oppressor that oppressed people. Um, they were considered as harlots and heathens. And yet Jesus simply said, he looked up at him, come down, make haste, and today I want to come abide in your house. He had the ability to do that. You know, maybe you know, we don't all have those you get talents and abilities. We want to be like Christ, and yet... Um, you know, he was, Christ was able to do that because of who he was, you could say. But that doesn't keep us from also trying or having that. Um, <clears throat> Psalms 138, verse 6, though the, though the Lord is nigh, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar off. <clears throat> to love the sinner like Christ did, Hebrews 13, 13 says, Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. And that's what Jesus did. He was, he was crucified you could say, outside of the camp. And that simply means that he went out of his realm, um, out of his way to die for all mankind. Um, and he also showed that then to the unbelievers and to the sinners. <clears throat> um, he, was, he calls us to do the same. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 20 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us that ministry of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf that you be reconciled unto God. <clears throat> so, several things that Christ did here in this example. He expressed mercy, compassion. He accepted. He received with no, con no condemnation or judge. He was, it was a genuine, you know, that, that was his heart. That's why God sent him here for, the, for, the, you know, for mankind. Um, he spoke truth. 
He didn't deny the facts or go around them. Um, and he had the divine ability, you know, to, to, to make that connection. Um, he was no respecter of person. He loves everyone just as much as he loves you. Um, he came to save sinners, you know, from their sin. Um, he also came to, he comes to them on their level of acceptance and gives them an invitation, come and, come and dine, you know. So I ask myself the question, you know, do, is this, um, where am I at in all this? How do, how do I find myself? Um, how many of us can honestly say that we have a genuine love and concern for those who are lost? Um, do we really love the sinner the way Christ did? Would we go out of our way to become friends with them or to sit with them, to eat with them, and to share with them? Um, God will bless us, I, I believe, without a shadow of doubt, because he went outside the camp for us. Um, there may be those that we need to go outside the camp of for too. Um, we do not know uh, where all that can lead and how that can be, but let's, you know, let us remain faithful, steadfast, and keep, keep fighting that good fight of faith, as he tells us in, in Ephesians there at the end, and uh, put on the armor, um, not be afraid of the battle because um, even though they may be more than we, uh, I'm trying to think of the scriptures that relate to that, um, if we allow God to fight our battles, then who can win against that? Um, we can be more than conquerors through him who loved us. <clears throat> so those are my thoughts for the day, I guess. Um, I'm open for sharing or testimony, and then we can have prayer and song. Um.